Thank you for joining me again on our ongoing podcast series. I find that I'm recording this podcast at a time when lots of our cities, our states are in lockdown due to COVID. Not that that's anything new, but I'm hoping for those listening that you're all keeping well and uh, keeping healthy and listening to whatever guidance the government is providing at this uh, uncertain time, I guess. So, all right, let's get into today's podcast. So today's podcast guest is an emerging leader. By way of introduction, he is the manager of Aboriginal traditional fishing at the Department of Primary Industries and Regions, has experience in fisheries management, compliance and research, strategic planning, policy development, program delivery and Aboriginal affairs. He hopes that the National Seafood Industry Leadership Program will provide him with the opportunity to strengthen and refine his existing leadership skills so that he can strive to reach his potential as a leader in the seafood industry. He would like to continue to play a key leadership role in supporting the growth, preservation and prosperity of the rapidly growing traditional sectors nationally and internationally. Can I welcome to the podcast today, Delahaye Miller. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, Eric. Uh, Thank you very much. And what a privilege it is to, to be online with you today happy that you've joined me and it's uh, great to have you here. For those listening, I met Delahaye at the National Seafood Industry Leadership Program internship that they do, one of three that are conducted around the country and I was privileged enough to meet him and his cohort uh, doing the program. So if they're listening, I hope you guys are going well and getting lots of work done before your uh, Canberra presentation in front of the powers that be. But uh, before we kick things off, Delahaye, can I call you Del? Sure thing. Let's uh, get the formal introductions done, please. But which are important here. So over to you first. Yeah, absolutely. Again, thanks again for having me online, um, Eric. Um, before we commence, I'd like to have my cultural obligation. That's just to acknowledge the, the traditional owners of the lands that we are meeting upon today. And um, I'm currently on Ghana, Ghana land, which is um, the local traditional custodians of the Adelaide Plains region. And so I pay my respects to all their elders past and present and emerging. And in this part of the world, I'll flick over here to the Brisbane context, are the traditional owners here being the Turrbal and Jagera peoples. And again, I'd like to um, pass on my respects to current emerging and existing leaders in in your community again thank yeah. you for joining me so let's let me start off by asking there's multiple levels to your bio that i read out and it's a fascinating we could talk about that for the podcast but, but we've got to get into the leadership side of things but getting back to your profile which is very leadership focused just quickly you started you're working with the department how did you get there and then step me through getting into the seafood leadership program the national seafood industry leadership program and then doing more leadership things in a more broader sense. I made mention to you prior about having a look at some of the the, the decorated um, leaders that you've had on your podcast. It's kind of <laughs> it's funny to have a young fella from SA come along and and share about his experience. But I guess my journey has has been a has been a personal journey. Um, to be um, where I am today, okay. And when I when I really do think about that personal journey, there's been so many, I guess, uh, things that have happened in my life which have really led to where I am now. And been some hurdles that I've jumped in those times, some real challenges. Um, and there's also been a lot of successes. But in saying that, um, I thought I wanted to be a teacher. <laughs> And so I was working in a number of uh, local schools around the, the Port Lincoln, um, Lower Air Peninsula region, um, working as a, an Aboriginal community education officer. And so I was working directly with the community, working with a lot of family members, actually. And 
um, sort of working in that whole educational sphere. And that was a real prominent time in my life and probably in my career where I felt the real rewards of service and um, and the rewards of being able to see people grow and flourish. And on the whole flip side of all of that, oh, if you're familiar with the education system and, and that Aboriginal community sort of educational role, you're right at the heart of dealing with community and sometimes issues. And I, and I felt that when I was in this role at sort of such a young age, being right age of 18 and 19, that I was faced with a lot of real, oh, I guess you call them challenges as well. And it was prominent because I, I thought right at that point in time, I I made a decision that I wanted to make change. And um, I worked in that role for a number of years and I was seeing things and I was seeing the cycle of not so good things happen. And I went, right, I'm going to make a real change. And at that time, I was young and naive, and I, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do still. And so I, I set off on this path of trying to become a, a teacher, and I found that um, I didn't, I didn't like being in the classroom all the time. Or, um, and so an opportunity arose where um, I got offered a position as a traineeship in a completely different left field, and that was as a as a fisheries officer trainee coming from a small coastal town of Elliston where I was involved and loved um, my surfing, I loved my fishing, I loved my diving. And so I've always had this strong affiliation with the ocean. And so I had this teaching and this desire to be able to service people. And then I had this, this connection of why have I got this really strong connection with the sea and the ocean, these sorts of things. And my community that I'm from, we're coastal people, all the Wirringoo people on the far west coast. So I had this kind of drive to be able to go into this, this natural resource management space. And I jumped at it. I progressed through the career pathway program, which I believe is the first of its kind in, in Australia. And so I was the first to graduate only a year into it and, and then took on a fully authorised officer role working out of Port Lincoln. And I guess that was a real time of being involved in enforcing legislation, <laughs> sort of the real regulatory sort of environment, and then got some real exposure to how government really operates there's lots of lots of real key moments that I've sort of missed along that journey and and other parts of my life which have really been the foundational aspects of where I am in just this work environment but then I was successful in picking up a a job as a as a manager or as the the state um, coordinator for the traditional sector and so yeah that's how so a real quick snapshot of probably my work life, Eric. It's interesting how that stuff falls together. And I think when you talk about it's all of the bits and pieces that sort of led you there that I think you learn from the the hits that you take along the way to get to where you're going. And it's um it's interesting that you, you got to the point and you're a teacher and you got there and you realize this probably isn't for me. I've got to do something else. I'm sure we've all hit that at some point to one degree or another. I, I would counsel and I think others might agree with me on this again it's only a view that better that you find that out young 
early in your career rather than have an entire career in an area you don't really like and then to be frustrated and angry as you get older going well why didn't I take a chance to do something else and so yeah good on you for, for doing something different mate so that would explain then the link at some point where you decided you'd have a go at doing the national seafood industry leadership program yeah, yeah, correct, Eric. I just as you were talking, I the the way I've sort of pictured um, <laughs> my life and my sort of journey, it's been these two layers. I've had very much like a, a personal leadership sort of level of personal growth, and then I've had this this work level, and then I've also had this other expectational level of some other things which I might get into later. And so, yes, I've had all these different levels, but in a work sense, I've been very privileged, I guess I could say, that the timing has been impeccable in terms of how Aboriginal traditional fishing rights are being recognised in a international and, and a national sort of jurisdictional level. And I've um, come into a role which is a dedicated specific Aboriginal role and I believe it's only one of its kind in Australia and so I'm working in a space which is evolving rapidly and how that's kind of led into this national leadership program is that I've found the more and more I'm progressing in my career I'm finding these gaps that I see that there's a spot for me to play a leadership role and I believe that the national leadership program is is one of those I guess bits of baggage that I can help chuck on my back to help support my leadership growth being pragmatic is a good way to be because you'll pick the things that will help you to get to where you're going to and if you've made a firm commitment to go that way then more power to you how do you define leadership Del? good question Mate, I hope you got a good answer. <laughs> I'm probably not going to give you the answer that I would like to. I'll probably think back and I mean, geez, I wish I said this or I wish I said that. But um, I guess a leadership takes takes many, many different forms. <laughs> a leader could be someone out there on a sporting field or it could be someone quietly kicking back in the back of the workplace, which is taking on a another role so i think leadership is very much adaptable and it can come in very very many different forms i think though as time progresses and i'd be interested to if i'm alive in 10 or 15 years and i can come back to you asking your definition of it might have morphed in that time and um it's always interesting to to get where people are at at one point in time because i'm a big believer that your life experience will impact how you look at some things and i think leadership is one of those area areas where that uh, may happen to you so thank you for sharing that now leader capabilities from your experience you've been out in the world mate what do you believe as an emerging leader are some of those uh, critical leader capabilities so critical leader capabilities i i think i like to think back of the leaders who i've been most influenced by or people that i've most certainly looked up to a leader for me is someone that is Firstly, real and in genuine. I guess the most influential leaders that I can think of are they are influential. They are well communicated. Yeah, you can you can pick up all those words and keep throwing them throwing them in there, like being a visionary or being strong and confident and those bits and pieces. But I think fundamentally, for me, the critical ones are your ability to be human, the ability to relate, to communicate. Are most certainly people that I would follow. Thank you for sharing. Emerging versus established leaders. What do you think emerging leaders 
bring to the table that established leaders don't? I am someone who I think is someone who is really respectful to a lot of the elders and people who have gone before me. And so I've always had a lot of trust in the things that established leaders have said and done. But I know that there's these spots and there's these opportunities that I see a lot of younger people and emerging leaders have is particularly around... (laughs) those new innovative ways of thinking or bringing in new perspectives. I've also found that probably some of the emerging leaders um, that I know of are able to take a bit more of a risk, I guess. Yeah. So I I think there's, I think emerging leaders uh, have, well, need to be able to continue to build upon what others other leaders have already built does that kind of <laughs> make sense and i'm coming very much probably from a community perspective there is where communities are very much evolved around our elders and other bits and pieces and that history and that knowledge is is just so important in that whole story and that emerging leaders are there to support and um, play that next sort of up and coming role but yeah new perspectives ability to take risks other other bits and pieces <laughs> Yeah, it comes through fairly strongly. I mean, your your connection to your your cultural identity and and how that what that means from you in terms of your leadership is coming out fairly strong. I wouldn't have expected anything different. I think there's a strength in that. And for what this is worth in the experiences that I've had coming up, I never really gave it a lot of thought what my views on leadership were. I just sort of got in and did some things. And if it uh, annoyed people, I would sort of pull back and change my behavior based on the response around me, never disrespectfully. And that that's another, that's another aspect of it too. I think you can always find the good in leaders that have been around for a while because experience is a great teacher. And I'm only speaking for me here, I guess you, you only know what you know and those with more experience more seniority the elders in our community have got there for a reason they've learned some stuff that you haven't been exposed to yet and you know being able to draw on their wisdom is a um is a good thing it's healthy to have a mix of those things Uh, again being as respectful as you you possibly can be but i'm not naive enough to think that there aren't some people out there in in these leader roles that don't care one way or another as long as they, they progress a career and that's just a way of life i don't know what else you can do about that appreciate you sharing that mate now your your professional development as a leader you've you've mentioned that you've obviously done some uh, training at university to become a teacher Um, you've obviously done some training through the department and I, i can't envisage a department that won't offer you training of one kind or another leadership included and we've talked about the national seafood industry leadership program do you have a view a personal view on this this issue of lifelong learning it it does it does that matter to you is it something you um use fundamentally in how you learn yes um i i'm actually really really strong on <laughs> i'm a fan believer of uh, lifelong learning i i don't know i spoke a little bit about my personal journey at, at the beginning but i very and much strong on the things that I've done in my past have led to be where I've become today and the person I am today. And I, I look back at some leadership roles that I have flourished in and that uh, on the flip side, some leadership roles have actually tarnished and um, I've had to do things and repair things and everything that I've done. I also strongly think that I, I make a change and be the be a better person than I am, well, than I was yesterday. 
difficult to knock the screen there, if that kind of makes sense. So, yeah, I, I am a strong believer of a lifelong learning journey. Yeah, and it, there's no, there's never a harm in um, making mistakes. Shit, we all, we all make them. I've yet to meet someone who's spoken to me that said they've never made a mistake and you've got to learn from those things. So, yeah, no, I, I could um could not disagree with you on anything you've just said. It's, it's what you do on the come up. You've got to learn some things. And I think you learn a lot more from making a mistake than sort of breathing through and not having some challenges put in your way. Dell, let's talk about leadership models. Do you have a mentor? And when I say, do you have one either formal or informal? Yes, I have. Yes, I have informal mentors. There's dozens of reasons why people approach people to be mentors, whether whether they do that in a formal sense or an informal sense. What do you again without naming them? And I don't, I don't want you to do that. But um, what do you draw? from those mentors that helps you in your leadership journey mate what what are other things that you keep those relationships active for yeah so i've actually built i guess you could call an army of of different mentors in in my life and people that i call upon refer to just soundboard nearly most days to be honest and i just rephrase your question again eric it was what do i draw from do you draw from having them in your life mate um so a lot of the time it's again it's life experience some of the mentors that i have is very work related and so some of the the pressures and uh, that is involved in my work um, I seek guidance from from these leaders and these mentors, and then I've got personal ones who who guide me along in my personal life. And so I'm just thinking back at the the ones that I've had. I have had it. I've needed them for different stages of my life as well. So I I think back of um, some uh, prominent male mentor that I had um, when I was younger guided me through some challenging parts of my life. I then I'd come. I guess this part of my life and my work career is is very much around um, soundboarding um, my professional development. As as someone who's working in government, do you see around you opportunities for formal mentoring, or is it mainly a, an informal thing? I'm just out of curiosity because most of the people that I've spoken to on the podcast that have talked about mentoring, it has been an informal thing by and large. It's not a formal setup. Is that is that something that you've you've heard of? in government in general that that gets offered or is it more an informal gig? No, no, it, it most certainly does. And particularly through different leadership programs, there are those models which support that. I guess one of the challenges with where I'm currently at um, and the people that I am in, I'm either influenced by or someone that I want to be are people that are extremely high up now and time is time is very valuable. And so sometimes just that informal check-in, hey, where, where are things at? how can I support those sorts of things is something that is is invaluable to me but I would yes having a mentor is on the cards um to, to, I, I guess to see where I want to be or sorry to take that next step a mentor is going to be sort of play a, a pretty fundamental role final uh topic area in this this one I'm, I'm keen to get uh your response to or very interested in your response are leaders born or made it's like a catch-22 or a double-edged sword that one because I, for, for me, I think leaders leaders are made, but it takes the right personality or the right person that has come to this world to 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 lead. 
And so, yeah. Yeah. That, thank you for sharing that. That one is always, uh, there's, there's never a, a uniform answer there. I'm, I'm, I'm yet to get someone extremely on the, yes, they're only born or yes, they're only made. I think it's personally, I think it's somewhere in the middle. Mate, look, I appreciate your time. Thank you for talking to me. Before we go, I do have one other question for you. I, as people start to listen to this, what, what would you say to entice young people from the community, from just in, generally in life, that um, what what would you say to get someone to challenge themselves to become a leader if that's what they're thinking about doing? I think taking on a leadership role is challenging and it comes comes its own baggage. I guess be brave. Not every leadership role turns out the way you want it to be. And I guess you've got to be willing to be able to face the hard times to be able to see some of the reward on the other end. Wise words to end the podcast. So for those listening, I've been speaking to Delahaye Miller, who is the manager for Aboriginal Traditional Fishing at the Department of Primary Industries and Regions in South Australia. Del, thanks for your time, mate. Yeah, thanks heaps, Eric. Mate, thank you for coming on. For those listening, this has been Talking Leadership. Thank you for following the podcast. We'll catch everyone on the next one.